0: Welcome to Alaska Daily Weekly, a recap and review podcast of the serious television show, Alaska Daily. I'm your not-so-serious host, Allie Liu, born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, currently trying not to melt in Los Angeles with my partner and producer, Boldev Sandu. Hello!
1: Hi, Ali.
0: Hi, Boldev. Today we're talking about episode 5 titled, I Have No Idea What You're Talking About, Eileen.
1: I had no idea episode titles could be that long.
0: I had no idea that we could drink so much vodka this weekend. <sighs>
1: Yeah, Well, we figured it out. <laughs> I don't want to know if we can drink more than that. Yeah. I, like, I'm okay knowing that's that's the limit.
0: I know. It was crazy. How was your weekend, Bolden? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Woo! You know what? Despite everything we're saying right now, it was really good. It
0: was probably one of the best weekends we've had that was not in a big shirt. Friday night, we went to Taylor Swift Dance Night at the Avalon uh-huh. with Jake Bann.
1: Wow, Jake, look at how many fucking shout outs you get on this show.
0: Five for five, Jake Ban, um his girlfriend, and then jt Excuse me four
1: for five cause the first one he didn't and he, was he, really oh, that's right. He
0: was really upset about that. That's right.
1: Jake, you better be listening. He's definitely not.
0: Um, he's not even responding to your text right now. Uh, <laughs> he might be dead. We don't know.
1: No, he's responding. He's finally <laughs> responding now that I'm directly confronting him. <laughs> I texted a cool picture to a a cool, a fun picture. To our group chat from Friday night, and no responses, and I was like, is he dead, or does he hate me? You have hurt feelings. I got hurt feelings a little bit, and then I texted you love him. that picture. I love that picture. Me and Jake are sharing a red scarf, because it was Taylor night, and our friend JT, she wore a red scarf for, you know, all too well, and then at some point in the night, me and Jake took it upon took ourselves. It. You just took we it. We just took it, you yeah. You took it and put
0: it upon yourselves. Yeah, we wrapped together. ourselves up
1: together, and I, I took a picture of us, and... It was
0: great. You'll, if you follow us on social media, you'll see it for sure. <laughs> Taylor Night was so fun. Thank you so much for taking us.
1: I had a really good time. It was super fun.
0: Yeah. We pre-gamed at Jake's and just kind of like had a little Taylor party of our own and drank a whole bottle of vodka. and Not but, just
1: the two of us. It was, there was six of us there, so.
0: Yeah. Um, you and I drank the majority of that bottle of vodka because when, here's the thing. Vodka and Topo Chico mineral water. It's like I don't even taste the vodka. And then I let Juliet take a sip of it, and she very well could taste the vodka. So we need to... That's
1: right. She's stuck to her wine.
0: Yeah. We got to tighten it up a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got to put the bottle down for a little while.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, We got to the Avalon, and it was just already packed
1: it was packed
0: taylor fans are the best
1: fans yeah, everyone was super nice very friendly night
0: um so i heard someone say um this is what is obviously a guy was like i feel like i'm in a vagina because <laughs> <laughs> it was like pink and glittery and well my vagina is not glittery Sure,
1: and there was, it was very wet because everyone was crying
0: <laughs> no that one girl was crying and she followed us around
1: that's true <laughs> There was Well, one no, no, girl we're, we're,
0: we're getting ahead of ourselves, because first, you and Jake and Brandon, JT's husband, disappeared, left that, us alone to our own devices. That's true. We didn't even know you were gone, to be honest, and then you came back, and you were like, come on, and led us to the stage.
1: Yeah, we, the three of us went and took tequila shots. This probably happened a few times through the night, but the first time we took tequila shots, Jake is like, we gotta get on the stage, and we're like, should we get the girls? And he's like, we gotta get on the stage. <laughs> So, they were inviting people onto the stage. It's not like we got like hammered and we're like, we're gonna fucking rush the stage at Taylor Fest. These three dudes, these three cis, wasted dudes, <laughs> wasted cis fucking hetero dudes. Fucking storming the stage at Taylor Light. No, that's not that's not what happened. They were inviting people onto the stage. There was a hallway next to the stage. You could just walk on and off as you pleased. So Jake is like, "We got to get up there," and I was like, "Okay." And then we got up there, and he's like, "We got to get them up here," and I was like, "That's that's what we said the first time."
0: Well, first you try to get her attention, which you
1: failed at. Yeah, well, we were waving at you. I took a video of you guys and sent it to you.
0: Sorry, I was on another. Nah, plan. you were having a good time. I you were being present. At Taylor, yeah, yeah.
1: No, and then and then you know we brought you up to the stage, and then there were sing-alongs. You took the mic from the DJ at one no, point? No,
0: the DJ gave me the... Yeah, no, no. Yeah, you didn't slander, take it from him. You didn't take defamation. it from him. Defamation.
1: You didn't take it from him. He gave it to you and he let you sing which was fun.
0: That was awesome.
1: And then when we got off the stage uh, we were on the dance floor and this woman comes up to us and she is... Well, she's, she's pretty young. She, she
0: yeah i don't i feel weird calling her a woman she
1: was for sure pretty young yeah and she's she was crying was like, she was in tears she was
0: sobbing first she came up to me and she said she looked at you guys the three of you are knights in shining armor and was your like knights
1: full of tequila shots
0: <laughs> um and was like are these your boyfriends and jt was like no he's my husband <laughs>
1: And then she probably started crying, and then she started
0: crying more. Crying even harder, because I guess the forty-five-year-old man that took her there just left her at Taylor Night, and so this sweet girl in bangs just like sees the three of us with our partners like jumping up and down and like having a great time, and she <laughs> decided it would be a great idea to join us and then cry into all of our arms.
1: Yeah, she cry- she took turns crying into the three of you—you, you, JT, and Juliet. You just. Nursed her for a little while. Yeah, but
0: it, the best ever was Jake Ban came in and he was like, he looked around. He was like, how are you going to shake her off? <laughs> and I was like, I hate you. We're coming here without you. Guys. <laughs> so that was super fun. Um, and then we went home.
1: Went home. Saturday I, we're,
0: m- we're lying. We did not go home.
1: Didn't go home.
0: Okay. We went to a strip
1: club. <laughs> we went to a strip club. There's a strip club near our apartment called Plan B.
0: Yes, but it's false advertising because it's not even a strip club. It's a bikini bar.
1: Yeah, it was... Look, it's really close, so we were like... Let's just go. Let's just go, right? It's like... it's Look, like, like we
0: had a nice, wholesome night, and then we were just like, we're not done.
1: Yeah. let <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're like, let's, let's patron... Pa- patron?
1: Patronize a local Patronize, establishment. Yeah. See? Thank you. And and, we did. Uh, and I regret it.
0: I regret it instantly. You, uh, Zelda stripper.
1: Yeah, I... I guess I zelled You were out of cash. And so I zelled them money to get cash to, I guess, give back. But then I held on to it.
0: (laughs) So you just exchanged funds with a stripper. You didn't even tip her.
1: You know, we oh, I tipped. I tipped her with your money, uh, <laughs> but now I'm going to put that twenty dollars in my gas tank, I guess.
0: Um, and then I threw up outside of Plan B.
1: Oh yeah, that's right.
0: And then we came home, and I threw up outside of our apartment. Mm-hmm. And then we came into our apartment, and then I threw up in our bathroom. Uh huh. Um, but I was a genius, as we had the pizza here from dinner. That's true. And we ate the pizza, and then we passed out, and then I woke up, and I vomited some more. And that was just Friday. (laughs) Saturday was more of a recovery day. We got to spend some time with our friends Anj and Chris, who are getting married in India. Unfortunately, we won't be able to attend that wedding.
1: Because we will be at my cousin's wedding in Phoenix. Just as hot as India. (laughs) But you can't drive your Toyota to India. No, we can't. And uh, if I skip my family's wedding, I think my family will be a little upset with me. They'll disown you (laughs) yeah they're like you never want to go to india when we want to take you
0: you're like yeah we want to go when it's all our friends (laughs) (laughs) no i would love to go to india someday though
1: sure i I haven't been to india since 2017 that's the last time i was in when was the last time you were in the philippines 2005. 2005. I haven't wow. been
0: to the Philippines since Almost 20 years.
1: Yeah. It's been a while. I don't know the next time I would go back to... My brother is... My youngest brother, Ajit, whose birthday it was also this week. Right. Happy birthday, Ajit. Happy birthday, Ajit. I think he he's is... He's the only one who listens to our podcast. 25, right? Yeah. yeah. He's one of the only people in my family who listens to this podcast. <laughs> I think a couple other people listen because I was looking at the stats and it says that people in the United Kingdom are listening and I do have some family there, so...
0: I have fucked men in the United Kingdom. <laughs>
1: Oh, so it could be equally likely that these men are listening to this podcast. They've kept up with you over the years.
0: And they're like, you know what we want to do? We want to listen to the girl we banged and her boyfriend talking about the place they don't live anymore.
1: The one that got away.
0: She's his problem now. Happy to have it. Um, Ajit had a birthday. Uh, Michael Liu had a birthday. Happy birthday, Dad! I tried to call you. You didn't answer.
1: Yeah, but yeah. So my brother Ajit, he's he's getting married, and they're like having uh, some kind of you know engagement, engagement party. party for yeah. his fiance side of the family in India because she's from India. She is from India. All
0: of you boys were born in America. Yeah,
1: we were. We are what is called uh, A B C D American born confused daces. Nice. Which. It is hurtful. <laughs> I won't say it's not hurtful to be called that, but it they is just, what it is.
0: They just called me a fat bitch. <laughs> I think I'd rather be called ABCD than a stupid fat bitch.
1: Were your parents calling <laughs> you a stupid fat bitch?
0: I mean, like, not in English, but <laughs> it's nicer not in English. Yeah, so that's the the weekend wrap up.
1: That's the weekend wrap up.
0: It was so nice. I feel like you and I are always doing some bullshit and it was nice to just take some time to like reconnect as people and not as like work partners and Yeah,
1: know. it wasn't there wasn't any like obligations whether they were creative obligations, social obligations, family obligations or work things. It was just like us getting to hang out
0: and spend time with people we like.
1: Yeah. This weekend and last weekend, so Yeah.
0: Jake Mann involved in both of those
1: weekends. You know, Jake Man is a man I don't see very often anymore. But this year, I've seen a lot of him. And we talk about him on this podcast so much. I feel like he has to be a guest on one episode before before well, this is done.
0: The plan is to take him to Alaska.
1: Yeah, no, the plan is to get him on this podcast before we take him to Alaska. This we are Actually, we're on episode five today. Alaska Daily just had its fifth episode. That's halfway, right? They, yeah. They're going to have ten episodes. So we're halfway through our podcast. Thanks to everyone who's been listening.
0: Except for Jake Ban, who doesn't listen because i feel like if he knew he
1: listened up through the horror nights part of episode one and then when he saw that he heard he wasn't mentioned he just like stopped out. listening man. what an asshole we
0: need to just start a new <laughs> podcast where we talk about your complex feelings about jake Ban.
1: look i send pictures to our group chat of me and him <laughs> wearing the same sharing a scarf together and he doesn't respond and then i text him personally to be like hey man you okay no response.
0: Till later. Till
1: later. Till til significantly later. later but you know. He's
0: a busy boy. He's a busy boy.
1: Too busy for me, guy?
0: <laughs> I'm just going to send him this clip.
1: No, he has to listen to the whole episode to find this, which, lucky for him, it's in the first fucking ten minutes, and then he can just turn it off again. But listen, Jake. If you keep listening, maybe we'll say your name again later. And if you're a real good boy, we'll have you on as a guest. You don't even have to watch the show. We just want to talk to you, man.
0: Yeah, about Taylor Swift, (laughs) your favorite person. Um, What was your favorite part of the weekend?
1: My favorite part, I mean, it was Taylor night.
0: My favorite part is after we came home from the strip club, the non-strip club, the bikini, the bullshit bikini bar. We came home, and usually like when couples come home from the strip club, they're like, Ooh yeah, that's sexy. We housed the other half of that pizza and put on Law & Order SVU, which I think <laughs>
1: is goals. I think I think that's like the opposite of what you should be feeling after you leave a strip yeah, club. Yeah, I think
0: that's a testament to how shitty the strip club I was, was. Like, man,
1: can- I feel unaffected. Let's <laughs> yeah. put on SVU, <laughs> sex crimes. Yeah,
0: you know what I want to do after I get all grinded up on? I want to house a pizza and put on sexually based crimes on TV. That, yeah,
1: that was that was a fun weekend. And then and then honestly, the rest of the weekend we just kind of basked in like the good vibes of Friday night. We've yeah. just kind of been enjoying each other's company and like relaxing. We watched TV. We watched Alaska Daily. We watched Alaska Daily. We, watched- we watched- Big mouth. mouth. You know, yeah. it's just been it has been Game a real Thrones. good weekend. Game of Thrones. Just kind of like all over the place. And
0: then Saturday we went downtown to First Draft, which is cool. Oh, yeah, it's like a right. serve well, we met yourself up with, brewery. Yeah.
1: Ansh and our friend Chris were getting married. They were having like a pre-wedding. They're all leaving for India soon, so they had like a pre-wedding meetup with, you know, friends in LA who are going to be there. And, you know, we're not going to be there, but... The FOMO
0: is real. We
1: crashed that hangout, though, for sure. <laughs> uh, what was it? First, first Draft? Yeah, First LA, Draft. Which downtown. is like... It's cool. I like the idea. It is like you, a...
0: What, okay. Uh-huh. How, how many beers were at that brewery? And you tell people... The, yeah. The, 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 the,
1: the, there's... there. Well, first of all, it's like you don't... There's no bartenders. You, like, pay to... You, like, put your credit card on a tab with them. And then they give you, like, a different plastic card that you, like... It's like there's, a tap card. Yeah, like a tap card. And then all like the, spa- like the spouts or whatever are on the wall. And you can pour yourself a beer after you like tap this card. And it charges you per ounce or whatever. And so there's like a ton of beers, like a huge selection. Yeah, of ciders, like, lo- wines,
0: Local beer. LA,
1: craft, all kinds of stuff. And I just went to my tried and tested, uh, tried uh, excuse me, tried and true Stella. I love Stella. Stella Artois. Stella Artois. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm real fucking fancy here. It is my favorite beer.
0: I had half of a dry cider, and then I was
1: like, Ugh. "Yeah, we were still a little hungover." I had my food uh, was good though. Had my food required two beers, as is customary anytime I enter an establishment that serves <laughs> alcohol, hungover or not. I'm You're like, a I'm, two
0: drink minimum guy. I'm a
1: two drink minimum guy. Look, bring it on. But what I thought was funny about this place, and here's the thing, I liked it. I had a good time. The food was good. The... Vibes staff were was dead. friendly vibes yeah. friendly but what i thought was really funny uh was that they automatically charge a 20% gratuity on just like everything like if like any tab with them has a 20% gratuity You're added
0: literally serving yourself
1: which is funny because yeah you served you 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 pour your own drinks and i was like look i would i <laughs> I'm happy to have an automatic twenty percent gratuity added if there's a bartender serving me my beer. This is a fun experience, don't get me wrong, but you're taking you're adding a twenty percent gratuity for me to serve myself. You guys brought me food, sure, but other places do that too and they don't add an automatic gratuity.
0: <laughs> Let's see, the standard of tipping used to be what? Ten to fifteen percent? I never tipped. I I work service, so I always tip. Twenty five percent or more.
1: Yeah, um, I always used to be fifteen to twenty, but now I kind of I think I think twenty is kind of standard. The standard now. So, yeah. you know, and for good service, happy to you know go above that. Well,
0: I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, this later this month, we will have a big shirt night, which I think we need. We need a whole. For those of you
1: who aren't familiar, uh, first timers, uh, big shirt night is when Ali and I wear oversized shirts, the matching oversized shirts, and then we go and. In- to bed early and just kind of fuck off and do nothing and watch movies and shit all night. Super fun. It's the best time ever. Eat snacks in bed.
0: And we need to um, have a wholesome big shirt night to redeem us from our weekend of depravity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, let's dive into episode five. Episode five, titled I Have No Idea What You're Talking About, Eileen, opens with Claire bringing her son's pet fairy to the office for show and tell. Immediately no.
1: Immediately no. Immediately no. what about dogs though i yes so it's like ferrets
0: rodents what is wrong with people
1: i feel like we talk about this a lot on this podcast well the, the little keep, hands right the hands are so yeah, disgusting no, and it. ferrets
0: smell like shit
1: what other animal what okay so dogs are acceptable in the office snakes snakes are acceptable what
0: <laughs> you know i love snakes
1: okay you love snakes but does that make them acceptable to bring to the office
0: yes Snakes didn't bring a plague. It didn't bring the black death upon the world. Rats did. Yeah, have you seen that movie, Anaconda? Yeah, that's sick. J-Lo,
1: so hot. (laughs) (laughs) And then also I saw a TikTok recently where that snake was crushing that van.
0: Oh, and snakes on a plane. Snakes on a
1: plane? Yeah, snakes are dangerous. I don't like, like let's let's watch out for snakes in the office.
0: I like snakes. Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. Yeah, sure. Uh, Snakes <laughs> are cool. Um, yeah, so Claire
1: Claire has this ferret. You know, people are not happy about it at first, but she's got yeah, it. She's like you. she's like I've I've got it for my son's show and tell. I need to drop it off at his school later. And then she puts the case by her desk. And then meanwhile, Eileen and Roz are working on tracking down Ezra Fisher and Riga Horn, which are the two names that they found on that unredacted police list that Chief Connors gave them in the last episode. And Eileen gets sidetracked because she hears that General Green, who is now actually Secretary of Defense. Is visiting a mili- uh, air force base in Alaska. What's what's it called?
0: Um, in the episode, they call it jbem Right, but in real life, it's the um, Elmendorf air, air Force Base. J Bear.
1: J Bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they 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 he's he's visiting jbem uh, to give a speech a surprise speech like all of a sudden and so she's immediately like sidetracked yeah she's not, like something's wrong her her spidey sense goes off but also she kind of abandons the story she's working on which is with like, Roz with Roz yeah. which like Roz kind of she's like happy to pick up the slack and like do it on her own but like it, it just I think it's like a bad telling of Eileen that she's kind of willing to just kind of jump ship when she feels like something more important is there, which is what everybody thinks she is there for anyways. And she immediately confronts Stanley in his office and he's talking to Austin, who normally covers the the military base because he has connections there. And she's like, I need to cover this. And she's like, very aggressive.
0: Very aggressive. And uh, and Stanley is like, no, Austin's covering it. He covers the military base. And there's a conflict of
1: interest here because you you and the general, again, now Secretary of Defense, Lee or Green, have a contentious relationship and... I don't want the story to be about Eileen right. causing a raucous like off well, the base Eileen, when he's giving a speech.
0: Eileen says something shitty. She's like, um, it'll be a better story if I do it. And yeah. Austin's like, what the fuck? And she's like, no offense. But like offense.
1: Yeah, like that's pretty shitty. And she's just saying that to get her way. And then like Stanley's also letting Una go with Austin because Austin's like she needs help kind of regaining her confidence. Yeah, let her draft
0: the... off of me for a little bit.
1: And then and then and then Eileen's just like, you know, if you want to get laid, Austin, just bring her to the movie theater.
0: He's like, Are you serious?
1: And he's just like believe. <laughs> The she's belt.
0: relentless. She is, <laughs> I do like her a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, and and you can just immediately tell that Eileen is not gonna take that lying down. Like she's she's, no. she's got some fight in her. So we'll we'll see what she does. You know.
0: Uh, so while Eileen is on Webio, <laughs> <laughs> looking,
1: up looking up the general, looking up the general and what he's
0: doing, Roz uncovers Ezra's domestic violence case and figures out who prosecuted him. So then she and Eileen go to court.
1: Yeah. So this Ezra guy, he has a DV case. Right? And yeah. so that's like that domestic sign. violence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've been watching some SVU, <laughs> I've been watching some Alaska Daily. So they, they they figure out that uh Ezra's being prosecuted by this guy ADA Barnett, uh and they realize that he's in court that day for a different case and so they go to the courthouse to Track them down and see what they can talk to him about.
0: And meanwhile, Austin meets with his military contact at another restaurant, which Boldev pointed out is another rustic and very Alaskan establishment. They
1: try real hard to make every establishment they go into. It's like wood panels and like log cabiny and there's like Christmas lights or yeah, whatever and it, like it's, totems.
0: It's so funny. It's like the way... Because there are establishments like that. I mean, look at Gwynies, Coots, and like, you know, snow. Like it's crazy. It's But it's not... All it's not the design of Alaskan establishments. Like some of them are just regular buildings. Yeah, it's just
1: like regular. They're just like Southside Grill. That just looks like a classroom. It's just regular classroom that got turned into a restaurant. Like yeah, that, like that's that just looks like a regular. Place. It's the
0: fluorescent lighting and in... and the
1: like the faded blue carpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's probably more like Alaskan looking buildings in this show than, than there, are there are in, in Anchorage. Anchorage. <laughs>
0: Well, that's what happens when you film in Canada.
1: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it look like whatever you want. And it's your secret. They're actually shooting most of the show in Vancouver.
0: <laughs> so um, while that is all going down, my worst nightmare, Claire loses the <laughs> ferret in the office and Bob rallies everyone to help find it. Which, yeah. good for you, Bob. That's really nice of
1: you, Bob. You, you've really come around to Bob.
0: I really like Bob. I like Bob a lot. Um, I like Bob as much as I hate a loose ferret in the office. Yeah, That's no, my Cla- nightmare. If I saw it, i just just... I reflex i'd like shoot it i don't know where did you get a gun it's alaska yeah no for
1: sure you went to the coffee cart across the street
0: (laughs) (laughs) look we did a comedy show at a dispensary across from a gun store okay
1: yeah claire's claire's beating herself up she's like i'm a terrible mom and the teacher already thinks i'm a terrible mom and now i don't have the ferret for the kids show and tell like everyone's gonna hate me and like bob is like you can sense from the beginning of the episode that Bob has been feeling a little anxious. He's a little unnerved, and so like he he finds some kind of you know empathy here for Claire, and he he just he rallies the office. He's like, "Everybody, we're gonna split up into corners, and we're gonna search you know by quadrant or whatever. Yeah. And we're gonna scan the whole office. We're gonna figure this out," which is like a really nice moment. And it's fun but that, it's like, also
0: a testament to his leadership skills.
1: Yeah, for like, sure. Like
0: Bob, as a reporter, I really haven't seen what his prowess is yet. Yeah. Like he hasn't been on an assignment. He kind of plays politics you know and he's but but he in the last episode we saw how much pride he takes in his work and he has integrity and he he supports his people supports his people yeah yeah so i really like that yeah that was
1: that was good for him i really like that and you know while all that's happening eileen and roz are now at the courthouse and they're watching ada barnett uh work in the court he's working on some other uh domestic violence uh you know case and, you know, they see him really fighting for, for the victims here. Yeah, because the judge was just
0: dismissing all the cases. Yeah, they were,
1: like, keeping a tally of mm-hmm. how many cases got dismissed. How many got dismissed.
0: got dismissed, how many went to trial. Um, the case that they see right before Barnett gets dismissed, Barnett gets up there. He fights. And you can see uh, Eileen is visibly, like, impressed by him. He really is, like, conf- not, I don't know, confrontation is the word that I want to use for this episode because everyone has a confrontational moment. Yeah. Um, but he really he just... He stands tall. He's, he, I mean, he's Alaskan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baldav. Have, has some opinions about the company I keep
1: <laughs> look Ali you seem to have a lot of tall male friends <laughs> define tall I mean how about you define tall you think you're tall okay I'm 5'4 and your mom is like 5'2 so. my
0: mom is 4'11
1: <laughs> look Janet I was trying to give you a few inches <laughs> At <least five> feet. <laughs> which makes you and your sisters think you guys are really tall the
0: twins are tall they're,
1: they're taller than you <laughs>
0: A lot of the guys that I grew up with are like 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". I'm 5'11". I thought you were 6 feet tall.
1: Divorce. I knew it. I knew it. Point Ooh, proven.
0: Height supremacy. <laughs> Not good. Not a good look on me. We thought. We both thought Adam was hot.
1: Yeah, we thought it was like he was hot. He was tall. Yeah, he, he's he's like an attractive dude, you know. And he's like he's like a, he's proud, and you know he's he's just like a good. He's fighting the good fight. And Eileen and Roz follow him out of the courthouse, and they, he takes them to their office, and you know he tells them about Ezra. He tells them he's just like a bad dude, and he like says all the right things. Like he does. He, he comes across as a very compassionate, caring. Person which advocate you know,
0: for for women.
1: Yeah, yeah, now, which is always a red flag. <laughs> yeah, any any man advocating too hard for women is no. Probably, any
0: guy who talks about advocating for women,
1: right, 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 ad nauseum. He's a lot of talk, and while just yet we don't know if he's done anything wrong, like. It's a lot of talk. It's a lot of talk. Which, yeah, red flag. Back at the office, uh, at the Daily Alaskan, Bob and Claire have a moment. Like, they've both just kind of given up. They're defeated. They're, like, sitting on the floor against the The office desk is and...
0: torn to shit.
1: Yeah. and It and...
0: was a full day's effort yeah. looking for this fucking
1: ferret. And nothing. And so it's it's somewhere, and Claire feels terrible, and Bob, you know, he comforts her. And he's like, you know, for what it's worth, like, you're a good reporter. And, you know, Claire appreciates that. And, you know, they they have a moment. They connect. And she senses... That he's been a little anxious. They talk about like, you know, I don't like the mess. Like Bob Bob gets very anxious when things get messy. And so right. then Claire says, so you must really love having Eileen around.
0: They love to talk about Eileen. They, they really re- love to talk about Eileen because she's an icon. She gets um. she
1: gets under their skin for sure. Uh, and, you know, Bob says like, yeah, she she does, you know, get to me. But I, I try to hold it together. And then, and then he reveals that just between them, because this is a recent development in Bob's life, that his wife, Colleen... Has uh, become sick recently. And he's not handling it very well. She's handling it, but he is kind of falling apart. And, you know, Claire just kind of says, we're here for you, you know, whatever you need.
0: Absolutely. Claire, judging by what we saw of her husband in that episode with the arson, things at home are probably not great.
1: Yeah, if Claire feels this frazzled and beat up over this, like she's like home life is probably not going too great. After that, uh, Eileen and Roz now meet with Taylor, who is Ezra's ex, who is uh, being represented by Barnett in this domestic violence case. And she also says a lot of things about Ezra, which are not very good. Like he's a very violent guy, angry guy, mean guy, just generally
0: very mean when he's drunk.
1: Yeah, Not a good guy.
0: (laughs) So then the next day, Eileen has Roz drop her off at the military base so she can cover General Green and sends Roz off on her own to talk to Ezra. Now, this moment is so funny because Eileen's not driving. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe another thing Eileen and I have in common, (laughs) we are passenger princesses. She picks up Eileen at a coffee shop. Eileen has two cups of coffee and Roz is like, is that for me? And she was like, no, uh, it's morning and I got two and she hands her one. Just again, like very glib. Like Eileen is very glib.
1: Even when she's trying to be nice.
0: Yeah, and she's not even being nice to be nice. She's like, can you drop me off at the military base yeah
1: this this coffee is to bribe her and she actually Roz.
0: does say to Roz like can you cover Ezra yeah, on your own
1: she's like are you okay covering Ezra on your own which again like I just I think this is like
0: you have PTSD from group projects
1: yeah this is like a real like high school group project vibe of like <laughs> getting stuck with all the work and like but and that's, again but that's not Raz's vibe that's not Roz's vibe but It's not, I just, I don't think it's right that Eileen is just dumping this all on her. And like, she's so passionate about this story. Like a couple episodes ago when they were up in meet, she's like, I'm angry. Secretary of Defense Green, he's not a good guy either. You know, I'm on Eileen's side. I don't trust that guy. I think he's bad. And you know, what he's doing is terrible on like a global scale. So like, it is important to cover it.
0: Well, it's important to remember that the whole reason why Eileen isn't in, was investigating the general at the time, now Secretary of Defense, was because she was doing research on him for selling arms to foreign, like to dictators. Yeah,
1: to dictators to overtake their country. So it's like, not a good dude, doing pretty evil stuff.
0: And she's really fixated on it. Because like in that scene in the office where Eileen is web um. Uh, Roz comes up and she's like, "It must suck, huh? Not being able to do a, do story, a story on that, your own that you can cover completely
1: that you're passionate about." Yeah, and Eileen's just like, "Man,
0: <laughs> cool, drive me somewhere."
1: Um, yeah. So then you know, at at the base, at the Air Force base, Austin and Yuna are already there. They're checking in, getting their clearance badges, press badges, whatever. And Yuna runs into some family friends uh, that that like uh, that worked with her mom and she asked them what they're doing here and you know they they seem pretty sad they, they're the very
0: little... very uneasy and sad and don't want to be there
1: and they they reveal they also reveal that their son Greg Choi who is a pilot for at this base hasn't they haven't heard from him in a week which is unusual
0: yeah it was his mom's birthday and he never called and he always calls the dad says even when he was in Iraq he would call and what I love about this whole exchange is one there is a huge Korean community in Anchorage there really is and so what when Eunice sees them there's that familiarity
1: of you know like oh I
0: know that person I'm gonna go say hi she worked with my mom yeah. and then they get this you know weird bit of information that kind of fuels the rest of the episode how,
1: how long would you have to not communicate with your family for for them to think something was wrong
0: today one day (laughs) daylight did i die in daylight savings
1: (laughs) call me back (laughs) yeah i I mean i haven't spoken with my parents like i spoke to them on the phone like a week ago and i feel like i I call I call them about once a week, maybe once every ten days, and I text them. We're in like our family group chat. Like I don't know, maybe once every three four days.
0: I talk to my family every day, all day long, on these heinous group chats that exist. I have a group chat with my my immediate family, a group chat with my twin sisters, a group chat with each of my sisters, a group chat with my cousins, a group chat with my cousins minus the one I don't like, <laughs> <laughs> like group chat with my mom and my sisters. Group chat with my, well, I'm not in a group chat with my dad. He doesn't you
1: guys me. remove your dad from all the group chats.
0: J. Lou girls only.
1: But what about M. Lou?
0: He didn't call me back on his birthday.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> happy birthday, Michael Lou. Yeah,
0: happy belated dad.
1: Yeah. So then, so, but
0: it was also very important to note that when Austin went to go talk to his um, contact at the base, they specifically said Eileen Fitzgerald better not be in attendance.
1: And guess who shows up? <laughs> She's like,
0: "Party's <laughs> here!" <laughs> and Austin's yeah. like, "What the?"
1: Yeah, Eileen shows up. She shows up to the press section in the base, like before the speech is about to start. Austin and Yuna are pissed. They're like, "You're not supposed to be here." Like Austin more so, and you know, Eileen's like, "Yeah, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> what do you What do you guys know?" And then Yuna relays the stuff she heard about uh, the Greg Troy and family the... and Greg. Well,
0: because what's important is that the F forty one. Yeah, and then she jet. says that he is yeah. an
1: F 41 Pilot. And Austin says, F-41, I did a story on that recently about how those are defective. And then Eileen goes, F-41, those are made by Armion. Do you know who was on the board at that company? (laughs) Dun-dun-dun! Yeah, General Green. So Eileen, like, she's just, got good instincts. She's got real she's good got instincts. She's got really
0: good instincts. Also, not a whiff of anxiety.
1: No, yeah, she's she's standing not a whiff. strong.
0: When she got into the confrontation with Stanley at first, Eileen asked Stanley if I'm not on, if she's not on the story because of the panic attacks, and he's
1: like, absolutely.
0: Which is that legal?
1: Well, he said that's part of it. Okay. Like, he's like, I don't... Like, the panic attacks, in addition to everything else, make you a liability yeah. on something this high profile. And just, which, like,
0: straight up ab- insubordination. Which, which, and
1: here's the thing, like, Eileen works for the paper. She can't make the paper look bad. So if she shows up and has a panic attack, if she shows up and confronts someone and makes a scene, like, that does make the paper look super unprofessional. Right. And, like... And, and people already don't take... Eileen seriously seriously at all because now what happens is the general gives like some bullshit speech to kind of like rile up the you know he panders he panders because here's the thing he is there for something suspicious like we can feel it you can feel it Eileen's instincts are right it's all coming together and then he comes up on stage and he just is like whoever holds Alaska holds the key to the world and we plan on holding on to the world
0: for another 155 years like you guys are so important and which they are they are which Alaska is important and he is not wrong like at the Alaska air force base they can be anywhere in the northern hemisphere in under 10 hours
1: yeah and that's huge but he's like using he's presenting that information in a way to like keep everyone like docile right then and and like, making
0: it and pretending like it's some routine visit
1: yeah like so you know then the Q&A portion starts and Eileen immediately just stands up and she's like, do you know about Greg Choi, who was a pilot here at this base, who flew an F-41, that crashed, and there was a story recently that these are defective and you were on the board of that company. What do you have to say?
0: And then he's just like, hello, (laughs) Eileen. Once again, I have no idea what you're talking about. And everyone starts laughing. And she just, like, she just asks
1: again. She asks and she digs deeper and then, you know... The, then the whole thing kind of gets shut down and it implodes immediately and every, everybody yeah. it just disassembles real fast. Well,
0: and Yuna, Yuna and Austin were like, what the fuck? None of that was verified. Like, you were and, just making shit up and, at the speed of light. And, and then, she's like,
1: but did you see him flinch when I said that? And then, you know, then like another military guy comes over. He's like, you know, Mr. Green wants to speak with you. She speaks with him. She goes to his car where he's waiting for crazy. her. Which already is crazy. And she sits down and she face to face sitting there talking to him and he... Is an asshole. She asked him about Greg Choi
0: again, and he's like, "Actually, I'm not here to talk to you about uh, o- Officer Choi. Uh, I'm here
1: to so thank you, thank you, because people's disdain for you behind closed doors became my success. Exactly. Like they hate you so much that it catapulted me up." And then she talks about her book, that she's still working on writing about him and all the evil shit he did. And he said, if you write that book, it'll make me president. Now, the key takeaway here is that he didn't deny the allegations that she threw to And just him. the
0: gaslighting. Yeah, super gaslighting. And he didn't deny any of the allegations. He just talked over them. He belittled Eileen. He talked shit about the paper. And this is when I was like, okay, here's an Eileen redemption moment, where she said, you know, I delight in very few things other than someone, uh, underestimating,
1: Underestimating the power of a of local. A because paper. Paper. he's like, she's like, you and your halls of power. You know, you might have so much... But access. Access, but a and local... proximity. A local paper is closer to the truth. And yeah. so, like, that kind of, like, integrity, like, really shines through. And you kind of forgive her for all that insubordination, which, like, she will get in trouble for later. But right now, you're like, fuck yeah, Eileen.
0: And while all that's going down, Roz looks through Barnett's records and reaches out to the women he represented just to see if there's a pattern of him having inappropriate or sexual... I guess it's all inappropriate if it's sexual... Uh, relationships with former clients.
1: Right, because earlier she had... Had uh, tracked down Ezra and asked him about the abuse and all that, and if and if he knew Gloria. And as the line of questioning and you know kind of ramped up. Uh, Ezra's like, wait, 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 like, who are you talking to? And she tells him it's Barnett. And he's like, oh, like, do you know he's also having sex, sex with Taylor? With Taylor? Yeah. Uh, and she's probably not the only one. Like, that guy's not as innocent as you think he is. And then when uh, Roz asks him about Gloria, he says, yeah, I saw her the night she died. She came by Skeeter's looking for oxys because she had frostbite. Nobody had any. And then he had to leave to pick up his son. So right. that's his alibi. And then all the stuff with Barnett and his ex, Taylor, so, because of that, Roz is now looking up his old records to contact these women. And then as she gets just out doing
0: of, her due diligence.
1: Yeah. And then she steps out of the office, and then she looks on her phone and sees that, like, Eileen has essentially become memed. Like, it's just a <laughs> clip of, like...
0: It's just literally the general going, like, once again, Eileen, I have no idea what you're talking about. Hello, Eileen. And like, then just,
1: like, everyone <laughs> laughing, and there's, like, a laughing emojis, and, like, it's, like, Eileen destroyed. Eileen or gets
0: slammed, or some clickbait <laughs> bullshit like that.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, so then... Now they're back, you know. And now Eileen, now everybody gets back to the office, and you know Austin is like pissed, like his contact at the base chewed him out, and like is like, I can't believe you let that happen, and you know, and and he's mad at Eileen about this, and Eileen goes, but he didn't deny the allegations, and Austin goes, but he didn't deny he the didn't allegations, deny it, yeah. So now everyone's kind of like getting on board with this, um,
0: and he just tells Yuna, you know, like follow up with the Choi family. We need to get as much information as we can get.
1: Yeah, and then Eileen has to speak with Bob and Stanley now, uh, and Aaron Pritchard, because this is a huge problem.
0: Yeah, they, she she did the opposite of she what did she the, was supposed to do.
1: And so, you know, obviously gets chewed out. She tries to stand her ground. Aaron
0: Pritchard... But she takes her blows. She
1: takes her blows, and Aaron Pritchard is kind of on her side here, and, like, because she did... She did get to, like, a deeper truth, and, like... And Stanley sees that, but, like, this disciplinary action is not about her doing a good job as a journalist, but, like, that... Again, the integrity of the paper and she its didn't reputation. Protocol,
0: and she completely went. She was insubordinate. Yeah. Case in point. Yeah. We have yet to meet the HR department of the of the Daily Alaskan.
1: Their budget probably does not allow for one. Uh, this and, is your
0: daily reminder that HR is bought and paid for. They are not for you.
1: Yeah. Um, and so again, now while this is happening. A news a news story breaks out on television that uh, Russian sailors discovered an American jet and pilot in their waters, and now the story is blowing Blown. wide open. Yeah. Uh, and so now everyone's sitting down in the newsroom and, like, Stanley and Bob are kind of trying to come up with a game plan. Uh, and the military is trying to scapegoat Choi, like, be like, he was a bad, pilot, was bad pilot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, User error, operator error. Yeah, whatever. but, you know, obviously the reporters here know there's, like, a bigger truth. Uh, and everyone gets to, gets off, you know, they're off to figure out their stuff. And uh, after that meeting, surprise, surprise, Bob finds the ferret in his desk drawer. <laughs>
0: Well, that was right after he had confronted Eileen, too. Right, he was
1: like, "Even stop
0: clocks or twice rice, right twice a day, Eileen." But that was reckless. And then Eileen was like, "Okay, but I got it." Yeah. And then Bob was just kind of stunned. Um,
1: and you can see he's like not having a good day, even at the beginning of the, the, that day uh, when he sees Claire uh, in the morning. She's like, how you feeling? And he's like, it's just one of those days I'm happy to be at work. So Which, it's like,
0: when does that ever happen? Yeah, like,
1: when would how you How bad
0: would our life have to be if I was like, I can't wait to log on and talk to fucking Allison?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. There, there would have to be a lot wrong with my home life for me to be like, oh, thank God, work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but
0: what's the weirdest thing you've ever found in a drawer? Uh,
1: it wasn't my drawer, but for a while... Uh, I was holding on to or like pet-sitting my friend V's cat. Uh, like oh, she, shout out V, I love you. She's in Scotland right now. Uh, being sick. Yeah. Congrats, V. You're fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, no, V. V's a good friend of mine from college. Uh, she lives out here in LA as well. And she was at a point where she was just like, in the course of like eight months, one year, I think she moved like three times or something like that. It was crazy. And one of the places she lived at, like she wasn't allowed to have pets, Mm. but she didn't want to get rid of her cat. So I held on to the cat for like, I don't know, I think like three, four months or something like that.
0: You're allergic to cats.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But this one was nice. And... (laughs) This this one I was not allergic to. Um, Emma. Emma. Emma was so sweet, but she did take big stinky dumps. Oh my <laughs> God. And I didn't know you were supposed to clean the litter box every day. So like, I thought it was gross. like, a, I thought it was like every other day. Kind of.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just flush your toilet every other time you take a shit.
1: And it would stink so bad. And I was like, man, this is gross. I would never have a cat. And then V's like, you're supposed to change that every day. And I was like, oh fuck.
0: <laughs> so then what did you find in a drawer? So yeah, <laughs>
1: no, no. Well, well one day I couldn't find Emma kind of like how Bob couldn't <laughs> find, find the, ferret. the ferret and the ferret's name was Harry Potter so nobody could find the ferret I couldn't find Emma uh, but I was like whatever like she's around like she turns up she's maybe under the couch or something I heard some like noise coming from my roommate Dave's room uh, but he wasn't home and it like sounded like the cat but I was like And I like, I don't like to go in people's rooms. Sounds
0: like you just wanted to go into Dave's room, actually.
1: (laughs) Look, Dave has an Oscar, and I was like, I'm going to look at it. No, I don't think he'd want his Oscar. This was way before. This was pre Oscar. Before we were even together. This is pre Oscar, but around the time. Now I have to say, uh, my old roommate, Dave Rabinowitz, he was uh, one of the writers of the movie Black Klansman. And at that time, he he would just hole up in his room and write. So if you want to know how you win an Oscar... You hole yourself up in a room. room. And you write on a Friday night while me and our other roommate, Jeff... We're getting wasted. We would just like go out. That's
0: why you and Jeff don't have Oscars. Yeah,
1: it's true. It's true. That's why we don't have Oscars. Like me and Jeff would just like go out and then like come home like super drunk and like play music super loud in the living room. And Dave is just like writing. So if you want to know how you win an Oscar, it's not by getting drunk on the weekends. It is by staying home and writing. So maybe we take that advice. (laughs) Maybe we stopped hanging out with Jake. Here, I told you to get mentioned again, Jake. (laughs) Jake Bann, you are a bad influence on me and Allie, and we will never win Oscars. Because of you. Because of you, man.
0: Because of you and things that we invite you to do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because we want to spend quality time with you, and then for some reason we get hammered and don't do any writing, and then we have to recover for like a day and a half, and then in that day and a half, writing doesn't <laughs> happen either.
0: We have to recover for like two to three days. Yeah, it's but not we
1: are been. recording this podcast today, so I, I'll, I'm i going to count that. I don't. You can't win a Oscar for a podcast. But. So then
0: obviously you found the cat in the drawer. Right.
1: So yeah. So I, I went into Dave's room
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and in cool. his... Just, I, this is how that conversation could have gone. But what's the weirdest thing you found in your drawer? A cat.
1: Well, it wasn't my drawer. I went in Dave's room <laughs> And I opened his drawer, and the cat was in the drawer, and the drawer was closed. Like she, I guess she like jumped into the drawer, and it like closed. closed yeah. And she got stuck in there. And
0: she was just writing a movie. Yeah, she
1: was also just writing a movie, and yeah.
0: <laughs> Emma wrote Black Clansman?
1: Yeah, uncredited writer. Uh, she did punch ups for it. And you know what? Hollywood will uh, they have won't, you. They yeah. won't give you credit. Give so you credit. Emma, I hear you. I believe you. I stand in solidarity with you. Dave, Dave. I stand with Purr. Dave, you'll be getting served soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> supposed to have Christmas with Dave.
1: <laughs>
0: Good thing Dave doesn't listen to this because he's too busy trying to win another Oscar. Um, <laughs>
1: So yeah, um, after Bob finds this ferret, another, uh, you know, Roz is in her office, and she gets a phone call from a woman named Liza Peters, who was one of the women that uh, Roz was trying to reach out to that didn't answer, and she left a message or whatever, and Liza says to her, she says, I looked you up, you did a story on my friend who went missing, you seem like someone I can trust, so I'm willing to talk to you about Ada Barnett. Barnett. And so Roz just gets straight to the point, like. Did you have a relationship with him? And you know, she she says this whole story about like how she did have sex with him. She thought she wanted to, but like afterwards wasn't sure. And then she was concerned that like if she didn't, like he wouldn't represent he would her the case. He would drop the case because he was so invested in the case and then they had sex and she it felt just like got she real messy. Say no. yeah. And Liza did say that there are other women as well. So after this phone call, we follow Yuna, who goes to pay the Troyes a visit at their home.
0: And they tell her that Greg, their son, was a really good pilot who had concerns about the Jets. So the way that Yuna approaches them, she's very respectful, as always. They answer the door, and she's like, I would like to talk to you about Greg. And the mom, you can tell, is like really upset The dad doesn't really want to talk. Yeah, they're like, are you here
1: as a reporter or (coughs) or as as a friend? friend. And And she... she
0: straight up says, I'm here as a reporter. And she tells them, you know, they are... I know your son was a good pilot. They are trying to blame him for this.
1: Yeah, because that's the thing. The Choys the are, like, concerned because their son is getting just, like, smeared all over the media by the government. And so they, they're they scared that, you know, Yuna has intentions to do the same, essentially. But she's like, no, like, you can trust me. I'm trying to find the truth here. And then they tell her, like, yeah, he was a great pilot and he had some concerns about the oxygen systems in the plane and, or, and he had emailed his commanding officer, and they kind of blew him off. And so this is huge. And, you know, Yuna gets this all on the record. On the record. 100% so she, on the record. so she goes back and shares this all with everybody at the office, and that's like a huge breakthrough.
0: And while all of that is happening at the Daily Alaskan, Roz follows up with Taylor about her relationship with Barnett.
1: Yeah, and Taylor's pretty standoffish about it because she's like, that has nothing to do with this. Like, why are you asking me about that? And she gets defensive. And then Roz says, "You're not the only victim of abuse that he manipulative manipulated into a relationship, and you know she's
0: affected a little bit." So she
1: she stops and she turns around and is like, "Mm, "Man, that's not good." And then uh, you know she softens a little bit, and Roz asks her more questions about Gloria and if she thinks Ezra maybe killed the guy. Sorry, if Ezra killed Gloria, Taylor says that he's a violent bad guy. But he did, in fact, pick up his son that night. So she validates his alibi. His
0: alibi. And Roz is brave. Roz straight up asked Ezra, did you kill Gloria? And he was like, no. Yeah. And so now this is Taylor, who hates him, who would have every right to, you know, bury him. Was like, he's a piece of shit, but But he didn't kill But he was with our son, and I, I
1: trust our son. And then from there... Roz goes to Barnett's office to confront him, and he's like, Taylor already called me. I know what this is about, and I'm really disappointed that you're doing this.
0: Again, he uses the right language.
1: He's like, I I I don't date victims. I date women. Yeah. Strong, powerful, complex women. We spend
0: a lot of time together. Feelings develop. I always report my relationships to my superiors. And nobody
1: could care for these women more than me. Like, the ultimate form of caring for their case is to be in a relationship with them, I guess. And then when the case is over, what? You're not in a relationship with them anymore? Like, that seems pretty shady. It's like, so
0: gross. And it's what's so annoying is that he could just go date women who aren't... His clients that he's representing. He's like a handsome lawyer.
1: Yeah, and it's this is like a pattern. Yeah. And so it's pretty, it's pretty ugly, and she's like... The story I'm writing is that you prey on victims of abuse and manipulate them into relationships, into relationships with, you. with
0: you. Do you care to comment? And he's like, I just did. She's like,
1: All right. Going to write the story. And so like in the process of this main story of Gloria's murder, like they are just uncovering so many other things that are just corrupt and wrong in Anchorage and just the system in general. Alaska
0: in general.
1: And so they're really dismantling a lot of stuff episode by episode, which is, you know, that is how you get to the main point. Like... Glo- Gloria's murder does not exist in a bubble. Like there are so many we are seeing there are so many conditions and systems in place, you know, that allow stuff like this to happen that encourage stuff like this to happen.
0: Well, regard whether it's Gloria's case slipping through the cracks or an actual cover-up that's happening, like there are so many pieces. Um it is a hu- murder is a huge story. Yeah. Um and you you see everything that's at play that um Lend a hand and all that. So this episode, there was a lot of confrontation. Have you ever found yourself in a situation? Are you good at confrontation?
1: I I hate confrontation. I am so non-confrontational. Now that won't you know. Once I hit my limit, like yeah, I will confront. And you know, if especially if it's like something I think is right. But I, I try to avoid confrontation at like all costs. I don't. Now <laughs> Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm a squeaky wheel. I've always been a squeaky wheel. My best friend Jessica and I are the same. Again. Uh, another reminder that your HR department is bought and paid for; they are not for you. Um, work, school, play, home—like see something, say something—was really drilled into us. Yeah. So I, I I read this book called The Art of Nonviolent Communication, which should help me, I guess. But um, I'm also Filipino, and English is my second language, so a lot of the translating that happens is is just really blunt.
1: Yeah, it's like very direct. Yeah. The kind of subtle, nuanced way people talk to kind of dance around a topic. Yeah.
0: I would be like, where were you last <laughs> Just right away. Wow, you were supposed to meet me at my house last
1: night. Why, why weren't you there? Yeah, so not, not huge on confrontation, but there's a lot of confrontation in this episode. I mean, I, I have become...
0: How do you handle it when someone confronts you?
1: I tense up real fast and start sweating. You also get defensive. I do get defensive, depending
0: on what the who, what, yeah. where, when. I will. And how. Pr-
1: I will probably get defensive first, if I'm being honest. I will. I'll tense up, get sweaty, and then get defensive, uh, because it is. It's just. It's uncomfortable. It's yeah. It's hard being confronted. It's hard to be told that you did something wrong, uh, especially like you know if you know you did something wrong. You know. Why does that
0: make it hard if you already know you did something wrong? You just take the hit.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to take the hit. Like I guess being defensive is a way of being like, look, I get it. Drop it. But, like, that's not helpful to the person that's confronting you over something that you did to affect them. Right. And that's not fair. It invalidates people's feelings, Uh, it creates confrontation. And it is not uh, productive for any kind of healthy communication. There are
0: versions of confrontation that are healthy. And oh, for yeah. me, no, for confrontation
1: me, can be healthy. Defensiveness is right. not.
0: When I am confronted by someone who I've slighted even unintentionally, I like to be confronted because that means they respect me enough to tell me that there's a problem. I cannot function in ambivalence. Mm-hmm. I would rather someone tell me, hey, you did this and it upset me.
1: Yeah. It, make, it, it is nice when things are clear. Yeah. Uh, living in that kind of unknown is just... It, it's, it's torture. It, it's, it is anxiety inducing.
0: Yeah. So I, again, like I would much rather tell someone I'm upset with them than have them feeling bad and not knowing what's going on. But again, it's like you pick and choose who you do that with, you
1: know? Are there any times that you've regretted confronting people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's one?
0: I was, I guess we could talk, in Alaska, I, in my previous relationship, I was cheated on a lot, a lot, a lot. And I confronted a lot of the women who I was cheated on with when I should have confronted my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, those, in those instances of me confronting someone and like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you ever hook up with someone else's boyfriend? I should have been saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you hooking up with other people while you're my boyfriend? Yeah. Misdirected confrontation.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's like, it's just like white hot rage at that point that like you can't even control it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's hard. I and mean, it's also like fueled by like drunken nights seeing some girl I know. I was cheated on with at the bar, like having a great time. And I'm just like in a stand. I just, I would just walk up and be like,
1: hello. (laughs) I'm so sorry, baby. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah, it's okay. Well, at the end of this day, (laughs) back in Alaska Daily, Claire thanks Bob, you know, Claire and Bob are leaving the office and Claire thanks Bob for his help with finding the ferret. She's just like super grateful and appreciative that he rallied the office behind her. And, you know, she just like really appreciates that. It meant a lot to her. And you know, Bob tells her that you know now might be a good time to get a dog. And Claire is like, "Dogs are great, messy, but great."
0: I want a dog. I know. Here's you want me a dog. confronting you about your bullshit allergy. Well, they're uh, not bullshit; they're my very, very real allergies.
1: Are so bad.
0: You are so allergic to everything.
1: I uh, had to see an allergist earlier this year. I had like a whole slew of health problems. Won't get into it, but in the middle of all that, I had to see an allergist, and he like I got a blood work done for, like, an allergy test. Just, like, general allergy tests where they just kind of test common allergens on your blood, I guess. I don't know. Turns out that I am very allergic to a lot of different things. (laughs) Like, it was, like, it would just, like, list all the different allergens and it would, like, show how allergic I was, like, how intense my, like, reaction would be to all of them. And, like, there's, like, six different kinds of trees and plants. Uh, There's, like, every animal... Uh, dust.
0: I know. So that means if we get a dog, it has to be one of these like $5,000 designer dogs that don't have dog, what is it,
1: dander? Dander, yeah. And, and a- fur. A- you hypo-allergenic. can have a dog
0: with hair. A hypoallergenic
1: dog is what we would need. And that would cost more than our apartment. So... Ugh, it's so I hate it. So Thank you here. for letting
0: me confront you about it.
1: Thank you. Well, I'm a... I'm, uh, don't get defensive. I will not get defensive. <laughs> Look, <laughs> these <laughs> allergies are real. I've been having a bad allergy week altogether.
0: You weren't having allergies at Taylor
1: Night though. No, I was having a fun time at Taylor Night. Yeah. But also I think it's cuz our neighborhood has like a lot of vegetation. Yeah. There's like gardens and stuff, so you know, Taylor Night was at the Avalon, which is like the heart of Hollywood. Yeah,
0: nothing of life or value <laughs> is <this. laughs> <It> grows <laughs>
1: on the streets of Hollywood. So Yeah, just human feces. Yeah, yeah. There might be like some like Fungus growing out of shit on the sidewalk, but that's, <laughs> yeah, a, that's, that's, the, that's the closest we get to... Sign lo- of life. <laughs> um And then, yeah, as things are winding down, uh, Roz follows up with Eileen and tells her that even more women have come forward about Barnett since Liza came out to her. And, you know, she's going to write up the story about him. And Eileen says, that's a great job. And then they even say, like, this will... Uh, all the cases that Barnett represents will lose credibility now and like Ezra's DV case will probably get thrown out because again, like Barnett... casualty
0: of this fucking
1: Like exposing this bigger truth means that the people that Barnett represents, like while he does represent them to help them, now their cases will get thrown out. So that is very unfortunate. And
0: that just speaks to the kind of terrible person that would put all of that at risk to like what, get off?
1: Yeah, right. Like if you really care about these women, then like you shouldn't, put them in a position where their case will get dim- dismissed because you're behaving inappropriately. Right. And, uh, you know, now Eileen goes back to her hotel room and a news story comes up on the TV again of the Pentagon refuting the story that the, got published by the daily Alaskan. So this, 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 their story about the F41 and Choi and all that got published. Uh, and now on television news, Pentagon is refuting the story. So, daily Alaskan is like on the national radar now because of the story which is pretty cool and that's what Eileen said to Bob earlier which or to Stanley earlier she's like isn't that why you wanted me here to break big stories right and here we are so that's pretty huge
0: and then she gets a knock at the door knock, knock, knock. at the door knock on the door knock knock on the door.
1: Knock on the door. knock on the door knock on the door yeah yeah yeah
0: you don't you don't knock at a door you knock on a door <laughs> yeah okay sorry I English, <laughs> and who could it be but Aaron Pritchard, mm, pretty boy, around.
1: pretty boy publisher.
0: Another tall, tall. Yeah, Alaskan he's not as man.
1: handsome as Barnett, but because think, be, because Barnett is evil, though he goes down in handsome points. I guess.
0: But I think Pritchard is more like manly looking than Barnett.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Like he's got that. He he looks like a hot Colin Jost.
1: Yeah <laughs> Yeah, he does a little bit.
0: Um she he shows up at Eileen's door, she wasn't answering the text that he sent her and he was like, Look
1: I'm worried about you, you have panic attacks, you fall down, like right. I'm concerned that you not responding. And she's like, Well, here I am, I'm okay. And Is there anything else you wanted to say?
0: He tells her that what she did in the room with Stanley was impressive and admits. Just the story and then, in general yeah, was the story, impressive was impressive and she was like don't tell bob but it was also quite reckless and this is when he decides to kiss her and though she likes it she tells him that it can't happen again now or ever end of episode oh she's into it though
1: she was she was into it she was like that's a good kiss yeah but, it can, but it can never happen, happen again. again. So. That's true.
0: He's their publisher. So he is a little fucking.
1: Yeah, it's a conflict. And like, I get it, dude. Like, you're super impressed by her. And he looked a little drunk when he came down. For sure. and Like, you do see him drinking throughout the series. Mm-hmm. So he probably has a drinking problem.
0: But it's also Alaska. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Are you even Alaskan if you don't have a drinking problem?
0: <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I'm excited. I, you know, five episodes in, we're halfway there. They brought the general back. It's all pretty paint by numbers.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's good storytelling. You know, it. It's it's, it keeps you engaged, invested, and there's some important stuff that they talk about, and you know it's just it's a very interesting look into Alaska. Now that we're halfway through the series, and I guess halfway through our podcast, how do you feel this show kind of represents Alaska? Do you think it? How how do you think the portrayal is?
0: I mean, I think you know I read that there were um, Alaska Native. Consultants and writers on the show. Yeah. And I would be really interested to talk to them to see if anything that they said made any difference. <laughs> because yeah. it,
1: it, it feels very networky, which I know. Yeah. And for those people, I guess, who aren't as familiar with like TV talk, like networks, like it's just so many rounds of notes that yeah. you have to go through to present something that you know like again like a network like i hate that it's
0: on the network i feel, think you could keep the same cast and put it on like fx
1: yeah or like hbo or, or HBO, something and it, and it would take more creative risks Netflix, you Amazon, know. yeah but, it's, but here's what i will say though is as i see how the show does online like you know like I do, I do research on like you know to write our recaps every week like i look up you know the recaps and what people are saying and And I also see what people say on social media. And like, there are a lot of people who enjoy this show because it gets... Because they're not from Alaska. Because it gets, yeah, it gets watered down to a, you know, kind of very accessible... digestible entry point into difficult topics of conversation and subject matter of a place that is also very isolated
0: absolutely and you know
1: that's not to say the show wouldn't be like a million times cooler if it was on like hbo (laughs) well
0: that's the thing it's like i have to remember that it's network but network reaches still i mean it's an archaic fucking model of measurement they are in every home every home yeah they're in every home, I would still yeah, still. So I mean as many eyeballs as you can get to even just kind of broach the subject that they're talking about, I guess is a win. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm just I don't know. I as a someone from Alaska, it does feel like, you know, my culture is not a costume. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, some stuff
1: that's, like, really forced, like, all that, like, kind of rustic restaurant stuff. Right. It is it is starting to become a little, and again, this is because we've been to Alaska. Or you've lived in Alaska. I've been there. I've been there, there a couple of times. You've been there a couple of times. You were there one time for 20 years or so.
0: <laughs> Just a handful of years. Just born and raised there. Um. Yeah. I think that's my only grievance with it is that they are making some like really good points, but the point of TV is not to make points. I think we are caught up in that because there has been so much impactful art and television. We think that that's what is expected. Everything has to be. But I really just want to be entertained. And this show, entertain. it has its moments. It does entertain me. It would entertain me a lot more if it wasn't on fucking ABC.
1: All right, there you have it.
0: So today we're going to be sharing a book review from the Anchorage Daily News. Again, Bulldog and I have a subscription to the Anchorage Daily News so that we can bring you little snippets of the great work that they're doing over there. We highly recommend if you're in Anchorage or Alaska or anywhere in the world to go ahead and give that local paper some support.
1: The uh, article is titled, Book Review, Coots Founder Mike Gordon Details Anchorage's Body Boom and Brisk Bust in Nabbit," And the article is written by David James. So, the book by Mike Gordon about Coots. For a city that has been home to at least a third of Alaska's population, we've had surprisingly few memoirs written by longtime Anchorage residents. It's an enormous hole in the state's literature and might have something to do with the pipeline era when, much like in Fairbanks, Alaska, a lot of morally dubious behavior went on. And since some of those at the center of the melee have gone on to become respectable citizens, there are reasons for many to keep mum.
0: This isn't a problem for Mike Gordon. The founder of Anchorage's beloved Chilkoot Charlie's nightclub, popularly known as Coots, had a front row seat for the madness that swept over Alaska when oil was discovered, and the newly minted state was suddenly awash in money and opportunity seekers. Gordon, who was already here and who isn't the type to let an opportunity slip by, rode that mad wave from start to finish and was one of the few to come out of the other side still afloat. He did enough things right to accomplish this, but also made plenty of mistakes that easily could have sunk him. Over the course of two memoirs now, he spilled a story that captures the colorful reality of Alaska during the boom of the 1970s and the bust of the 80s. And that's just part of what he covers. He's had one hell of a life.
1: I've never thought about Kootz's place in Anchorage's history. And yeah, I mean, it's like a staple and it was there during, you know, kind of like when we were talking to Stephen Alvarez a couple episodes right. ago, he was like, you know, a big reason why the arts community, fine arts. fine arts community in Anchorage is so, you know, established and strong is because of the oil money that came in. And yeah, because- they
0: demanded entertainment.
1: And similarly, you know... It, they also demanded a uh, Chilkoot Charlie's, a popular <laughs> watering hole, which I imagine was pretty sweet back in like the seventies and eighties.
0: Yeah, and if you think of the seventies and eighties in Alaska as like the revolutionary era of America, you know what I mean? Like taverns and all that stuff—that yeah. was getting
1: very, very like Wild West kind of right. manifest I mean, destiny energy going on. They over
0: opened there. January first, nineteen
1: seventy. The Coots. Coots, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I saw in that article too somewhere where I, like the the logo of like Chilcoot Charlie on the building, like mm-hmm. it's like based on like what was it? Uh, Mike, one of Mike Gordon's like business partners or something right. was like a, he did like a radio show or yes. something, and it's like one of that. That was one of the characters, and so they like made him look like that too. And and Mike Gordon would dress up like that, like in like was it like long underwear and overalls? <laughs> yeah, like the hat and yeah, the big puffy hat. Yeah, very Alaskan, just like all the establishments in. Uh, uh alaska daily but yeah coots is a super fun place um i love it you do love it i hope that they i love the smell there the piss no not not look i look i have that picture of the piss still on my phone since (laughs) our last conversation but that's not the smell in coots i don't even know what it is i can't describe it is it hard work (laughs) it's like hard work and night off yeah, for sure. It smells like some fucking hard-working men fucking blowing off steam. Ooh, sounds and like I... you want to be blowing
0: some hard-working men.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm helping them blow off some steam. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, I, good
1: for them. That's awesome. I
0: feel like we should read this book. You love Coots so much. I should read this book. Um, you can read the full article on AnchorageDailyNews.com. Please do support your local papers wherever that may be. Yeah,
1: as Eileen says, they are the closest to the truth. They also have funny as hell letters to the editor. (laughs) And uh, before we get out of here, uh, we'll do some predictions for the next episode and the rest of the season. What do you think, Allie?
0: I am waiting for a for a confrontation between Bob and Eileen. I am waiting for that.
1: You think it's going to blow over?
0: I think that Bob is going to pop off. I, I think, think Eileen... Stanley
1: is going to pop off. I think well, Stanley... Stanley's and...
0: already popped off. I've seen Stanley pop off already. I haven't seen Bob pop off. Bob, like, disagrees with a lot of what Eileen... And he tells Eileen she, he doesn't like what she's doing. But he's never, like, super confrontational about it. He's just a nice guy, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think Eileen is going to do or say something out of line, out of pocket... And and Bob is gonna be like, "I'm sick of you."
1: See, I think Stanley is gonna lose this because Stanley has been getting progressively madder and madder with Eileen, regardless
0: like, of the good work she's doing. Yeah,
1: like, like, but Bob like has kind of been taking each you know problem case by case, and sometimes like keeping a cool head. You know, like this episode, he you know popped off a popped little. off a little bit, but like he. He seems less likely to me to lose his cool on Eileen, and I think Stanley is going to do something, and Bob is going to come around
0: mm. onto Eileen's
1: side. That's what I think.
0: Like you think her uh, Eileen and Stanley will get into it, and then Bob will comfort Eileen in some way, or like, like Bob will go her. talk to Stanley
1: yeah. or something. Like okay, I, I okay. think I think that is you know especially based on today uh, not today but their most recent episode. That's what that's what I think.
0: I also think Eileen and Pritchard are going to bang.
1: Hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eileen's gonna own the paper,
0: <laughs> and then they're gonna be like, Corruption reporter seduces publisher. Blah, nah, 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 nah. Because then, also, I don't know what Pritchard's intentions are. He might be working for the government, that's
1: true. He might be trying to like suppress Eileen by yeah. like getting closer, like keep your enemies closer, kind of a thing, yeah, absolutely. So that you can't entirely trust him just yet.
0: I also, I don't know, like, I'm not invested in Yuna and Austin. I don't really care. I really? love, I love Yuna. I like her a lot. She reminds me of my sister a lot. Um, yeah,
1: she does remind me of Danny. Yeah,
0: she reminds me of Danny and the way that she looks. Like, if Danny were Korean, that's what Danny Yeah, like.
1: It's, it's like. Yeah, it's like her facial structure. Yeah, like, and even her, like, little expressions. And, and her hair and, like, yeah. the energy. Just, like, just, yeah, generally, like, Danny in a Korean body.
0: Yeah, um, I like Yuna a lot. I, I, I predict that Yuna will be like, Austin, I'll sleep with you if you
1: take off that hideous necklace. <laughs> not into the necklace huh I'm
0: really not into jewelry on men
1: I used to have a hemp necklace yeah that tracks
0: <laughs> <laughs> well this was so much fun thank you for a great weekend Bulldog. Oh,
1: thank you Allie I had a great time too
0: and don't ever be afraid to confront me as long as it's nice
1: I got to work on the nice part and the defensiveness. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Alaska Daily Weekly. We'll be back next week after another episode of Alaska Daily.
0: Bye.